Are you ready for a travel adventure? How about an exciting trip to Venice or an exhilarating experience in Bangkok? Maybe you were more about a culinary adventure in Barcelona or just a relaxing day cruising the canals of Amsterdam. Join the Professor Travel as he invites you on an epic excursion, one that has you traveling the globe with him. Come and experience a world of culture, a world of history and architecture, a world of food and experiences to broaden your mind and save you time and money as you travel. Learn more, discuss more, travel more, and enjoy life more. And now your host, The Professor Travel. Greetings students, welcome to this edition of The Professor Travel. I am The Professor Travel, um, wanting to touch base with you about all the different travel opportunities that you have available to you. Uh, the goal about the Professor Travel site is to, again, help you to learn a little bit about destinations, to discuss it as a community, um, to really in, in, enjoy and, del and delve into that travel experience, and then really just host and enjoy the experience for everybody else. Uh, today, we have a very special guest. Um, oh, but before I go into him really quick, uh, again, we have a variety of different social media outlets for you. Uh, you can always go to my website at theprofessortravel.com. Uh, you can find us on YouTube at the Professor Travel channel. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter at theprofessortr1. And then, of course, I am on Blogger at uh, theprofessortravel.blogspot.com. Uh, today, we have a visiting professor with us, uh, John H. Noddle. Uh, he is uh, one of my colleagues. I've worked with him in the past. Johnny, say hello to your audience here. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Johnny, uh, tell us a little bit about your education, some of the places that you've traveled in the past, uh, so that way you, people can get a little bit of an idea of some of your credentials. Sure. Yeah, I got my undergraduate in psychology at uh, Cal State University of Fullerton, and uh, I did my uh, master's in business administration uh, at University of Phoenix. Um, traveling is is the thing my wife and I do. I've, I've traveled since I was very young. And when we got married, we decided instead of having kids, we're just going to travel and see the world. So at least once a year, we try and go see something really unique and, and very fun. Um, so I, I've, I've been a lot of places and there's so many more that I want to go and see. I, I, I totally understand. Once you get the travel bug, it's just really kind of tough to deal with because yeah. I've, been, I've been traveling now, I want to say for the last few years. And it just seems like Every single year, we're getting more and more travel involved in the process of, you know, whether it's pre-planning for vacations or, or thinking about those uh, bucket list locations that we want to go to. There's just so many places I want to go and deal with. We point. actually have a spreadsheet that we work off of. And so <laughs> something comes up and there's like a deal through gate one or something like that. Mm -hmm. We'll check our spreadsheet and go, oh, yeah, that's someplace we've always wanted to go. We have them ranked. <laughs> that's awesome. No, I, I'm, I'm really in favor of that. And I want to definitely talk to you about the travel planning process in just a couple of minutes. But let's talk really quick um, about where you decided to go on your more recent vacation and why you decided upon those, lo those specific locations that you went to. So this recent one, we wanted to do um, that kind of Western Europe location. We did Holland, France, and Belgium, um, focusing a lot on some of the, the D-Day beaches and cemeteries, and some of those experiences were really great. Um, we spent two weeks in Bruges, which was just an amazing, amazing little town. We got an uh, Airbnb, and uh, one of my one of the things I do, I'm a, I'm a real estate agent and a photographer, and I love, love getting up early in the morning and hitting the sites when there's no tourists out there, and I go get some some great photos. So it was a, an amazing trip. You know, I actually had a recent experience myself um, that I'm going to share in one of our future blogs, um, where I actually just went to Venice 
uh, myself and I took in St. Mark's Square and I, I'm one of these people who gets up in the morning very early <laughs> when the sun is rising. And for most people, it seems in European locations that they don't really get up very early. The shops don't typically open until about nine or 10 o'clock. It's hard and, to get a cappuccino so, even in that what? time of day. It's impossible. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and I was in St. Mark's, uh, Mark's Square when maybe there was just like 10 of us there. And that is a place that's normally overrun with tourists. You are practically shoulder to shoulder just trying to get into St. Mark's Basilica and stuff like that. So, I mean, how, how are the crowd sizes with the different places that you went to? Um, Bruges was crowded in the day, lots and lots and lots of tourists. Uh, in the morning, I would see maybe two or three other photographers and one or two people on their way to work. But like you mentioned, you know, in Europe, it's a little bit, their time frames are, are later in the day than, than us. You know, Americans, we work so many hours and we're going from before the sun comes up until long after the sun goes down. So it was really neat for me to get up and, and go experience all those things. And for photographers, they have what they call the magic hour. And that's, you know, about an hour as the sun's coming up and then also about an hour as the sun's going down. But with no tourists around, you know, and other photographers were always very respectful to stay out of each other's way. Um, and so it, it was it was beautiful. Uh, but other than that, the the crowds, it's it's becoming easier to travel. And so there are more people as a result. And, and that's a good and a bad. Well, I, we'll get into that in just a couple of minutes. Um, I, in preparation for this, I do want to know, did you have to, because you're saying it's easier to travel now. Did you have to go through any visa process or uh, bring special travel medications or uh, be proactive with any requirements that you needed ahead of time for travel? No, I didn't need any visas for this trip. I just brought my passport. Um, I did try to go through uh, the global entry and my wife has one and we went with uh, my mother and father-in-law as well and they have global entry. Um, you know, when I was a kid, you know, we were all kids and I didn't quite make it through the interview process. So I didn't get my global entry card. Uh, but what I did do is I downloaded an app called Mobile Passport and I went through customs in about five minutes. I'm not kidding. It was wow. it's incredibly fast. You fill everything out before you get there. You can use the free version or you can, and I'm, and I'm not endorsing these guys because for anything other than it was awesome. Um, you can just, I punched everything in as we were landing. Um, you enter, take a photo of yourself and you go right through five minutes. It was unbelievable. Wow. That's really yeah. huge savings of your time. That's, that's yeah. very valuable. So, and, and I know that you want to get into this later, but as we were going in, we flew in through Dallas and our connect, our leaving flight was late out of Amsterdam. And, and we had about an hour to clear customs, get our bags, recheck our bags and catch the flight. And we were literally running through the airport and just went right on the plane. It, it was like, I couldn't even stop for a beer, which was sad. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's actually funny. I have a, I have a really, I'm going to, I'm going to go off on a tangent here for just a second. I have a really funny, well, not funny, but kind of an, an unusual story, uh, specifically about Schiphol Airport. Um, so a couple of years ago, I was flying from Amsterdam to uh, Copenhagen. We were just doing a quick, like, I think it was a one-hour flight, and we were on the tarmac, and we ended up sitting on the tarmac for, like, what seemed like a much longer time than normal. And so people started asking the flight attendants, like, hey, what's, when are we taking off? What's going on? You know, there, we don't see any of the planes taking off right now. We, nobody's moving. And they're just, oh, well, you know, just take it. We're, we're, we're just waiting for, you know, the tower to let us know when to take off and stuff like that. And so 15 minutes goes by, 20 minutes goes by. We're trying to figure out what's going on. So people are on their cell phones all of a sudden. Turns out that there was a Turkish airliner 
flying into Skifold that actually lost one of its engines and crashed in a field of tulips outside the area. Oh my thankfully, thankfully, nobody was nobody was injured. It was like maybe twenty feet off the ground when it when it hit the ground. I mean, we didn't we didn't hear it. We didn't know. But like after a short period of time, they let people go back up in the sky. So it was. Oh my god, that's crazy! It was insane. And Skifold is actually a really nice airport. Oh, I was there. I was myself, dude, Scott. I'm telling you, I was blown away at the efficiency of security of checking bags i mean we just it was all automated i haven't been through skipple in a long time and i was just like wow you put your bag in everything was automated we went through security we were through it in, in like 30 minutes yeah was I, was, I was really impressed of, yeah. of all the airports i've been to that's probably one of the more efficient ones i've been to i agree so let's move on to a little bit of your pre-vacation stuff i'm kind of curious about that and i'm sure my visitors are as well um, when you're thinking in terms of your packing options, um, I know there are some low-cost carriers that are out there, like what used to be Wow Airlines, where you would be charged for bags of a certain size or something like that. Um, now, you guys were going for how long again? Uh, 21, 22 days. 22 days. So that you obviously have to consider your packing options at that point. Uh, how efficient would you say you are at packing your bags? Uh, really good. So one of the things that's really helpful is we get those uh, – vacuum compression bags you just roll oh, them up yeah. and it sucks the air out mm -hmm. those were great actually overpacked and one of the things <laughs> we, did is we uh we had an airbnb in bruges for two weeks so we were able to do a load of laundry in the middle of the trip oh, so you can kind of plan okay well i don't need to bring three weeks worth of stuff you know i know that i'm going to do one load of laundry in there at least so really i only need about 12 days really and you know Let's face it, a pair of jeans, <laughs> you can wear those until they're standing by themselves in the corner. <laughs> and I often do. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's, it's part Three of pairs of jeans, um, you know, so as far as preparing, uh, we have hard shell cases that do expand. Um, we're, my wife and I are both shopping junkies, um, and we, we have a little scale, and that's really helpful. You hang your bag from the scale, and you can tell. So when we left, it was 36 pounds. When we flew out uh, Amsterdam the night before, we were packing and rearranging because each bag was at 49 pounds and, and you can't go for 50. And I'm, and I'm moving a, a shirt here and a pair of pants there to try and make them balance out. And, and, and it worked. We did really good. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of one of those. I, I'm, in, I'm in a weird relationship where I'm an underpacker. So it's uh -huh. like I, I maybe, I'll be one of these people who just give me a backpack and I'd be fine for like two and a half weeks, three weeks. But my husband, he can go somewhere for like three or four days and he wants to have all kinds of options. So he'll he'll want to overpack in a lot of cases. I'm like, no, 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 we don't, you know, we don't need to do that because I want to free up some space in the bags that we do have, souvenirs uh -huh. or artifacts and things like that as we go through this process. So, I mean, I definitely understand exactly what you're saying. Um, now, you flew out, uh, did you fly out of initially Sky Harbor Airport? Yeah, Sky Harbor through Dallas-Fort Worth. Okay. And what was the parking situation like? Did you get a, did you get an Uber to go there? Did you park at the airport? How would that go? We had a friend drop us off. Okay. So it was yeah. pretty When you're staying for that long, you know, you don't really want to park. It's going to get expensive. So we try to find a ride. Um, it, it, worst case scenario, I would have done like a lift or just call a car, you know, but um, parking I think is, is get, getting expensive after three weeks. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I know that some airports have long-term, short-term parking. Uh -huh. um, on that recent trip I was talking to you about um, where we went to Venice and a few other places, we actually ended up parking in um, like a nearby hotel close to LAX. Oh, and that's cool. For us, it was about $250 for about for a little over two weeks. So, I mean, okay. we definitely did some shopping around in order to find some really good prices, but I didn't want to like 
trouble relatives or do anything like that. So I get what you're saying, but for for me at least, you know, I'm far enough away from LAX where it's it's not conducive to have one of my friends or a relative drop me off there. It's just not convenient. I don't want to bug them at the same time. But you're yeah. really, you're probably very close to Sky Harbor though. Well, it was about a 45 minute drive. Oh wow. Okay. So yeah, it's it's a bit much, but you know we do it. So like Nicole's parents, we'll take them all the time. They'll take us. Um, we have friends that we share that ride situation with. Uh, we're going to Fiji in May. Oh wow. We fly out of LAX. Nice. So. That's a bit of a that's a bit much to ask somebody to drive us to LA uh, from Phoenix. So we're gonna I'm gonna need to get that information from you on the cheap parking. <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely talk to you about that. And act, and by the way, if you if, if you guys want to talk to me a little bit more offline about that, I'll I'll we'll we'll, we'll chat more. I'll I'll definitely work with you on that. Okay. Great. Thank you. Um. So talk to me about the flights that you ended up taking. Um. What which air carrier did you end up going through? We used American Airlines, and it seems. You know, somewhere along the lines, I always get pissed off at one airline or another for whatever reason. You know, they all kind of have their pluses and minuses. And I got to say, American was great this time. I, I remember being upset with them from something in the past, and and they were great. The flight out, they had the little TVs on the back. Mm-hmm. Um, the flight was great. Everything was pretty much on time, except for leaving out of Schiphol. Um, the flight back was great. Everything was was very clean. Everybody was very friendly. Um, it worked out really, really good this time. Did you did they handle your bags okay throughout the? Yeah, process? handled the bags were great. Um, we have the hard shell cases mm-hmm. that do expand, yeah. um, and I find those to be the best suitcases I've ever had. Yeah. Um, nothing gets broken. We lost one little tiny, thin glass bobble along along the way back. Okay, and then uh, what what kind of seating did you have on the flights? Was it something more? It was coach. It was coach. Yeah. Cool. So you were definitely looking for more of a bargain. Uh, yeah, definitely going for the bargain. And one of the things that we do is we have the uh, the Bose noise canceling headphones. Yeah, those have been my best friend for traveling because you know <laughs> kids are great for other people. Maybe I don't know, but I've been on a plane where there's been three or four of them. They have me triangulated, and I just could hear baby screaming the whole flight. And it can be really really rough so you put those on you flip the switch and it and it takes away the engine noise you don't feel like you're going deaf when you get off the plane um, i also bring an ipad and i download some movies that are offline so if i want if there is no in-flight entertainment i just set my ipad up and my wife and i can can either put one little earplug in or i have a splitter we can plug in and put our bose headphones on um, because I, I have a hard time just sitting still uh, i'm very you know antsy very nervous and so generally it's going to be oh my, my little trick. So the little three ounce travel things you can only bring, right? Yeah. So I've tried various different ones. This time I had, it's like a spray bottle, like, you know, spray water or something. And I fill four of them with rum. <laughs> okay. I put them in a clear bag. I put them in my, my thing. I send them through. Nobody has ever said anything. And so I just get a Coke. I, I have a nice couple of stiff drinks and, and I'm off. <laughs> Pretty smooth at that point. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, uh, when you when you go, actually, let's let's rewind for just a second because I was wondering when you were over at Sky Harbor, how long did you give yourself before the flight? Like, how was it? Two hours, three hours? What was your time interval? International, we always do three hours. Um, I, I'm the kind of person I'd rather be three hours early than five minutes late for just about anything. Yeah. Um, so 
for me to sit at the airport, we usually get something to eat. We'll have a, you know, a couple of beers, whatever it is, just kind of loosen up and prepare yourself for that flight. Yeah. I was going to ask if you had a cocktail because that's a, that's a long flight to have to do. It's a really long flight <laughs> and I can't sleep on airplanes. Try as I may. And I, and I've tried all different kinds of sleeping medications, whatever I might be able to, if I get good and soused, <laughs> I might be able to get a half an hour of sleep, but I just can't do it. And, and I'm a fairly big guy. I'm, I'm six feet, 200 pounds and 210 after this last trip. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I just, it's really hard to sit in those really small seats and just sit there yeah. for, for 10, 12 hours, you know? Well, I mean, I, I was recently on a flight, uh, as I said, uh, to Venice and in that one we had, um, kind of what was called a premier class seating, which is not quite business class but it's not quite coach it's more kind of in between that and the seats were, inches, right yeah and the seats yeah. were wider and stuff like that but i'm going to be honest i mean same thing with you i can't sleep on flights and even with a nice comfortable seat i, I i'm antsy i need to get up walk around I, yeah. I, I i don't know maybe it's just me i i'm not comfortable with long flights like that and it doesn't really i, I don't find it very conducive for me to be able to sleep like yeah, and, and especially if there's like a lot of light coming into the area, you know, the whole the whole fuselage may be dark because everybody's trying to be as best they can on that. But if there's that one person like seven seats down that has their window open, yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> oh no, this is terrible. <laughs> the light, um, no. <laughs> so um, so it sounds like the so it sounds like the seating was okay for you. Um, were the meals on the flight okay or? Actually, I was super impressed. Really good. I mean, like really good meals. Um, I used to order the vegetarian meal. I don't eat meat. So traveling can be quite difficult for me. And as far as finding food to eat, uh, airplane food has always been a struggle. And I used to order the vegetarian meal and they, and they sucked. They, they're just awful. And they, they, they made it like two weeks in advance for the special veggie guy. So I, I've noticed that they started doing like a meat option and it's generally a pasta option. Okay. And, and it's a non-meat thing. So I, I don't have any gluten things. I, you know, I don't, I'm not weird about what sauces they use. I just can't eat chunks of meat. So I, I've been going with the pasta option. It was really good. They came by and gave you a little snack afterwards. It was like a little hot pocket. Um, the meals were really, really good. I was impressed. Okay. And now before you actually, um, before you got to your first destination, after you landed, did you have to, I mean, or I shouldn't say, did you have to, um, did you prearrange any like, um, like pre-vacation destination, like I have to stay at the airport before I can go to this first destination. Did you have anything like that happen or were you able to just grab a rental car or get onto it wherever you needed to in order to get to the initial destination? Yeah, straight through Dallas-Fort Worth, um, straight in the Shipple. And from there, we rented a car okay. and went to The Hague. And then our, our destination for the day was Rotterdam. So we spent a couple hours, two, three hours in The Hague, and then went to Rotterdam, checked into our hotel, and just kind of tried to – and because I don't sleep on airplanes, so you miss that full night of sleep, right? Yeah. So that night, and now the time change is off, I'm able to sleep really good that first night. And so I, I don't really experience jet lag there. But, you know, like we talked about the other day, coming Bring home. Back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, 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 I just mentioned to you the other day, I'm the exact same way and I can, you know, I, I, I'm fine when I'm at the destination, usually for a little while. There's that excitement, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The adrenaline's in you and then heading back home, especially when it comes, when I'm coming from the east, heading westbound, I, I take a long time to recover. It's usually like 
a day for every single day that I'm out. You know, it's, yeah. it takes a long time for me to recover. Um, talk to me about the accommodations. So you get to your initial uh, Airbnb. What did you think of the location? Uh, the location was great. So in Rotterdam, we had a hotel and we were there for about three days and it was NH hotels and they were pretty good. No complaints there at all. Just, you know, Europe are a little, you know, people's expectations may be a little high. I try to go in with really low expectations there. That way I'm never disappointed. <laughs> That's okay. So, uh, when we got to uh, Bruges, so we went and stayed in Bayou, which is a little French town. And we did the D-Day beaches and stuff like that. Really super cool. Went to the cemetery. Um, it was really fun. Watched the flag lowering, all that stuff. But then we went, we stayed one night there. Again, just a um, nice little hotel. They had a pool, hot tub, and a sauna. So that was really great. We made great uses of that. Um, then we went to Bruges and we had that Airbnb for two weeks. Now, the place was located pretty good. It was about a 10 or 15 minute walk from the main centrum. Okay. And, uh, but there were some issues. So it turns out the guy's cleaning lady had gone into the hospital. He hired somebody else. She was horrible. There were baby diapers in the trash can. There was, you know, there were, there were a few things, but all in all, it was a pretty nice place. Um, there were stairs that were really steep and curved and, and it really took its toll on my knees. So we were on the third floor. Uh, my wife and I was just a loft and then her parents had the second floor. It was a two bedroom, one bath, which can get tricky uh, for four people, but we made it all work. It was great. The location was great. And um, overall, we had a really splendid time. Okay, cool. So let's take a little bit of a, a long term or a long view snapshot of what were all the des- what were all the destinations that were going to be on your itinerary? So from the moment you landed in Schiphol, moving forward, what was your itinerary going to be like over the next couple of weeks? So it was The Hague, um, just to spend an afternoon. And we went, just hit a couple museums there, basically. Um, the girl with the pearl earring, we wanted to see that. So rather than go to a museum and try and do the whole thing, which sometimes we'll do, but depending on the size, like the Rijksmuseum, forget about it. Like you need a week there alone. Um, so we'll try and hit some of the main attractions, like the girl with the pearl earring is one that we really wanted to see. Um, then we went to Rotterdam and uh, we saw the the arms, you know, for the, for the flood control. Mm-hmm. You know, just outside of, we saw that. That was cool. Went into Rotterdam, stayed there, um, just saw the sights. I, I can't remember all of the things, but just cruising around, did a couple of tours there. Uh, architecture tour, that's what, that's what it was. That was really fun. Sure. Uh, then from there, we went to Bayou, a little town in France, which I was completely enamored with this town. There was castles, which was really an old abbey or church. Um, it was just the quaintest, you know, cobblestone streets. And they had that tapestry. Um, it's this really old, really like huge, huge, long tapestry. And, and it takes about 20, 30 minutes. And I like art, but I love photography. And I, and I like visiting a little bit more than, you know, say my mother and father-in-law or even my wife. So I kind of bailed out on the tapestry tour <laughs> and <laughs> just went and shot. Cause I was just like, Oh my God, this town is amazing. And it was our only day there. Um, so that was really fun. Um, also because I'm a photographer, I have a media pass. So I get into a lot of things, uh, free. Nice. Um, so I just, I blazed through, I looked at the tapestry and went out. Um, we did the D-Day beaches that next day. Okay. Um, that was really, really fascinating, um, to, to be in some of those. I mean, you've, we've seen the movies, we've, you know, we've read the history books, we've, we've seen it all. And to kind of be there and see some of that stuff was just awe inspiring. Uh, the cemeteries were amazing. Yeah. Um, then from there, we went to uh, Bruges, and 
we stayed there for two weeks, but we took day trips. So we went to Ghent, which was amazing. We went to uh, Brussels and Antwerp, and we had rented a car in, in Schiphol and went, drove and just parked near our, our flat in Bruges, and we would just go and take those day trips out. Um, then from there, we went to Amsterdam and basically spent two nights there, which really isn't enough to dig into Amsterdam. Yeah. And I hadn't been there in a really long time, so I, I would have loved to spend more time. So we basically ran through there really fast. I did get up early one morning, but Scott, I got to tell you, that place has changed since I was there 25 years ago. Oh, yeah. Uh, really busy. It was a little sketchy. We were kind of stayed by the red light district. It was a nice hotel, Swiss hotel. Um, but it was just kind of super crowded. Like we couldn't figure out even how to drive in to drop off the stuff. Um, it, it was insane. Uh, so it would almost been better to just leave the car and maybe take a train or a cab or something, because then we dropped off the luggage, had to find the car park, which had moved. Yeah. Um, we used sixth rental which they were they were okay pretty good but their office had moved and the parking lot had moved trying to get around there was so much construction and so much going on yeah it only took an hour which was great the guy laughed at me when we checked in I go, i'm gonna take the car back he's like okay i'll see you tomorrow morning <laughs> it's that bad uh, but it was really uh, all in all a wonderful trip one thing i kind of want to note is i talked a little bit about museums and how you know some people are more into like just seeing art and my father-in-law is one of those guys he, he loves histories he loves reading every little thing in the museum. I go nuts. I can't take it. My thing, like what I like to do traveling, and I've done this a lot in the past, is just go find a cool pub somewhere and sit and chat with the owners or the people inside and get some of the culture and experiences. And I learn like, oh, hey, this is a really, really cool thing to do. And you learn from the locals. It's kind of more my speed of travel. And I did was able to kind of balance that a little bit with some of the history stuff that we did. Totally cool. Now, uh, just a really quick question. Uh, did when you were going to all of these places, did you pre-plan any of these excursions ahead of time? Or was it just kind of like a, hey, we're just gonna go by the seat of our pants and and and, and like what, what level of research versus purchasing did you do ahead of time for those excursions? A really good question actually. My father-in-law is the planner of planners. He was a CPA um, and, and I think half the fun for him is planning all this stuff out. So we did a tremendous amount of research. We had everything booked out, laid out, you know, we had the time frames that the places were open. We had many options for each excursion that we did. Some things like we went to Mont Saint-Michel uh, on the way back to from, from Bayou to Bruges. We stopped by Mont Saint-Michel, which is amazing abbey there, giant castle in the middle, like right on the ocean. Nice. Beautiful. But we pre-bought that ticket because we were told that it can get a little crowded. They might run out. And while we wouldn't have run out, uh, we skip the line. So anytime oh, you can, you know you're going to be there, buy that ticket because even if they don't run out, you still get to skip that line of waiting in line, and it's just a little bit easier. Um, also, any warnings about uh, to the to the viewers about people on bicycles in Amsterdam? Oh my God! Yeah, be, watch out! It's insane driving in, in in some of these parts like Bruges, Amsterdam. There are trains, bicycles, pedestrians, cars, taxis. Uh, everything but the bicycles are absolutely the worst because they they kind of take the road and and they feel they have the most power and they really do because you can't just hit them you know you got to stop so they just barrel right out in front of you so it's really really sketchy driving through some of these cities yeah i've i i've been to amsterdam a few times uh, the thing that really struck me at least was number one 
seeing all of these different like parking lots just for bikes and they had like hundreds and th- possibly even thousands of bikes in some of these places and i'm like wow that's a lot of bicycles but it turns out that most people travel by a bicycle yeah um and from what i was told they actually do have the right of way even over pedestrians if a pedestrian gets in the way and they get knocked down by a person on a bike it's like hey sorry you know you were in my way and i couldn't stop so it's it's kind of on you at that point so you really have to be careful about that kind of stuff yeah you Um, can't just walk out into the street you got to make sure you're looking both ways for bicycles and there's certain lanes that they ride in you don't want to walk in the bike lane they'll get really upset with you yeah, exactly. And they do have the right of way, and they, they kind of should have the right of way because they're moving a little faster and a lot more vulnerable. Yeah. Um, so it's up to us to watch out whether we're walking or driving. We really got to watch out. We did rent bikes one day. It was very, very uh, mellow cruise uh, in Bruges. We just rode bicycles to a town called Dame, and it was about a 20, 30-minute bicycle ride, super quaint little town. We just rode along the canal and back, cool windmill on the way, but very safe. Like I wasn't really sketched out at all. It was really fun. Oh, that's cool. Um, one of the things, um, as far as travel tips go, I know that there are people who want that Amsterdam experience, especially when you're there, because it's a lot of hustle and bustle and they really enjoy it. And some people get hotels directly in and around Amsterdam directly. For me, the last time I was there was about, I want to say about two and a half years ago. Uh, we actually went to an outside city very close to Amsterdam called Oosterdam, which is just across the bay. So we ended up staying at a five-star hotel, which was the same price of like a three-star hotel in Amsterdam. Um, and we were just basically what they would do is they would take us over to the nearby ferry and, you know, it was complimentary. They give you, they have rides to the ferry. They, you, they shuttle you, you end up at the uh, train station right there in Amsterdam. Yeah. And, you know, they have different, like every hour on the hour, they'll take you back and forth if you want to do that up to like 7 PM. And then if you're after 7 PM, you just end up getting a taxi and that'll take you around the bay in order to get there. But it's not a huge bay. It's not like a it's not like an hour drive or anything like that. It's like 20 minutes. So it's not like a huge to do. Um, when you were staying at these accommodations that you went to, uh, did any of them include like your breakfast or anything like that? No. Um, one of them, the one in Bayou had breakfast and it was kind of a typical European breakfast, just some hard boiled eggs. There were crepes, things that were really good, actually not bad. Um, the one in Rotterdam, we had to pay, uh, was like 17 euro, something like that, 17, 18, but it was amazing. Like really good cappuccinos. I mean, all kinds of scrambled eggs, just tons of fruit and pastries. It was amazing. Um, Amsterdam, uh, they had one, but it was it was like 25 euro and it just wasn't worth it. And there was a McDonald's right there. <laughs> and I hate to go to McDonald's when I'm on holiday, but it, it was right there. And we both ate for like 10 bucks. You know? Although, you know, I'm always curious to go to a McDonald's when I'm in Europe just to see, like, what's different on the menu there than it is here in the United States. So it gives me a little bit of perspective as to what <laughs> people are enjoying at different locations and different tastes in reference to their culture as well. Pretty consistent with those kind of places like Hard Rock. We, we always go to the Hard Rock. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the things. We always try and visit our Hard Rock and we collect the shot glasses. But their food, they always make sure they have, you know, the local language, English and like one other language that all the servers speak. And their food is consistent. And I've never really noticed any variation. Their food is always consistent across the board. And that's comforting sometimes. Nice. OK, so let's talk about the trip back. Um, so how was your flight back? How was your baggage handled? Were there any problems with uh, customs, anything like that? 
So, you know, we did touch a little bit on this. I, like I said, uh, Schiphol was, was amazing, super, super efficient. We got there really early, plenty of time to check in. Um, we, it was all automated. We didn't require much help at all. Um, you put your bags in this thing, it weighs it, you print out your ticket, you stick it on there. The thing closes and sucks your bag off and to wear, <laughs> I don't even know, it was amazing. Um, so we did have time to have a couple of drinks before the flight. Everything super smooth. Uh, then we, you know, it was an hour and a half delayed. So like I said, we had plenty of time. Then we sat on the tarmac for an hour and they didn't even tell us what was going on. I have no idea why we were so late. And we were really worried because we'd had about, I think, two and a half hours or three hours. And now we're two and a half hours delayed. So, but they, American Airlines was great in this respect because they went ahead and they had already rescheduled our connecting flight for us. Oh, cool. and they had a whole bunch of other people that if you're going to Salt Lake City, if you're going to Utah, if you're going here, they had all these um, signs out and you just grab your, there was your name with an envelope on it. You grabbed your envelope and moved on. But we were already rescheduled. But like I said, we blew right through customs with that mobile passport app um, in like five minutes Got our bags. That was probably the longest time was waiting for our bags, checking the bags in. They were really super efficient in Dallas to get our bags in. And then we literally were, were pot footing it, running through the airport. <laughs> it was funny. Um, and we Custom, our security was a little bit long getting through. And there's some guys you got to watch out for that will charge you. Hey, we'll charge you and guarantee we'll make your flight. But it was like 150 bucks for all four of us to, to skip the line at security. And no way, I'm not paying that. Yeah. There was just no way. I was pretty sure we were going to make it, and we did. Uh, but I did see a couple of people fall for it. I don't know. I don't trust those guys. <laughs> cleared security. My bag got rerouted over to the search area, and I was like, oh, my God, we're, you know. But the lady's like, oh, I'm sorry. It was a mistake. It just went to the wrong side. Here you go. Go get your flight. Yeah. Uh, everybody was really super cool, really super, um, you know. But I dress, like, in pretty much pajamas. So I, there's no belts. I have kick-on shoes. Um, I try and make it easy on them and they will in, in turn try and make it easy on you. If you wear a bunch of stuff, you got to take off and you've got computers and, and all this crap that they got to go through. It, it slows everybody down. So I just try and make it as easy as possible. Absolutely. So let's get into post-vacation thoughts. Okay. So now you're back. Um, what were the pros of going on this specific vacation for you? What were the really good things that you enjoyed? Uh, man, there's so many things we got to, you know, for traveling for me is experiencing different cultures and doing my photography um, and, and trying different foods. Even though I don't eat meat, I can usually find some really good things. Belgium, I learned a lot about Belgian beer. <laughs> they have this huge culture surrounding beer. For instance, we stayed in a hotel on a couple of nights just to kind of have some alone time, my wife and I. Mm -hmm. um, and we checked into the hotel. I just wanted to grab a beer while we were kind of changing into our swimsuit and stuff like that. I just wanted to drink a bottle of beer. And so the guy started getting a glass. And I'm like, no, no glass necessary. And he's like, oh, please, may I give you a glass? <laughs> I was like, wow, like, okay, the service is great. So I had to ask the, the next day. And, and they're like, no, we take our beer culture very, very seriously. Yeah. And, yeah. and they want to pour it in a glass. The it's glass a whole show matches. almost. Yeah, it's a whole show. The glass always matches the beer. I've never seen them have it wrong. Only time is when it was just a plain glass because they had run out of that particular brand of glass. So that was amazing, fascinating. Um, you know, there's so much to try and narrow down like any one huge takeaway. Just, I would say, the experience 
and, and that's why we do it is the experience of it all. There was good times, bad times, rough times, tough times, fun times, great times, sleepy times, you know, rush times, <laughs> stressful times. But that's all part of the experience. And you just have to go through it with a smile, um, with a good, positive attitude and try and find the fun in, in every part of it. Even running through the airport thinking I was going to miss my plane. I, I thought I was on the amazing race and I was just laughing because it was <laughs> so funny. But we made it. Everything turned out great. And uh, just the experience of it all is really it's, my best takeaway. It's so funny because the more you travel, the more you have these really interesting experiences. And sometimes I, I, I think I agree with you. I think you just have to kind of laugh sometimes because it's like some, some of these things are out of your control. Yeah. There's not, there's not a lot you can do. What are you going to do? You're going to scream at someone? Don't bother. Yeah. I mean, just relax. Things will work out. You just need to figure it out. Yeah, you may be delayed. There may be some stuff. But if you're proactive enough, if you pre-plan your things in advance, if you, if you have a hotel that maybe you were looking to do an early check-in, now you have to do a later check-in, it's not. they're not going to throw you off. They're not going to throw you away. I mean, they don't want to risk a bad rating themselves. If yeah. Something like that. So. And that's kind of a cool thing about today's day and age is that, you know, we're able to leave reviews and the consumer has a little more power than we had had in the past. You know, what, 10, 15 years ago yeah. when Google reviews and, and you know, Airbnb reviews and, and all that stuff really wasn't a thing. And so they didn't really care as much as they do now. But, yeah, they're happy to take your bags and set them aside, go grab a beer and something to eat, come back, we'll get checked in. And, you know, I'm always real nice. Sometimes I'll even tip the check in guy five or ten bucks and get a nice, nicer room. You know, you never know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, first off, I would like to thank you very much for being part of this wonderful vlog and podcast. Yeah, um, thanks for having me. Uh, just so people know, uh, if they want to take a look at your pictures, where's the best way they can like look at some of the photographs that you've done and, and, and different things that, you, that you're that you trying to promote as well? So if you, if you Google my name, Johnny Schnabel, it's J-O-N-N-Y-S-C-H-N-A-I-B-L-E, you'll probably find a lot of stuff uh, there. But I on my Instagram page, um, I... I Devote specifically to travel photography. There are a couple of shots I've done with with musicians and and just some kind of you know unique different things, but mostly it's travel. Um, and that's photography by Johnny Schnabel. So it's it's like a play on photography. It's photography. Photography. Yeah, P R O T O G R A P H Y by Johnny Schnabel. J O N N Y S C H N E I B L E. Awesome. I'm definitely going to go to that. And I, I recommend that all my people go to that too. You've got some amazing pictures. You've got an amazing eye for photography. So oh, I appreciate you. you being first off part of this, uh, part of this really great project that we're working on. So thank you again for that. Um, also to my viewers, thank you very much for being part of this as well. If you do have any questions or comments, I'm certainly welcome to those. Um, let us know. You can send me an email at scott at the travel professor or the professor travel, sorry.com or reach me on any part of the social media that we have. Again, I thank you so much for being part of this. And as always, make it a wonderful day. The Professor Travel is a broadcast from Orange County, California. A transcript of each podcast may be requested by contacting the Professor Travel at his website, theprofessortravel.com. For opportunities to work with the Professor Travel, feel free to contact Scott at theprofessortravel.com or contact us through YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook at The Professor Travel or Twitter at TheProfessorTR1. Make every day a great day to have a travel adventure.